0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian
1: Knockolds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome listeners to episode 41 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockolds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line, not by Tom Hiscott today, he's having the week off, but by James Healy, our social media manager. Hello, James, how are you? Very well, Ian, how are you?
2: I haven't spoken to you for a while. Well, I have, but just not officially on the on the podcast.
1: Yes, if you don't talk to me on the podcast, it doesn't count. It's not really talking, is it? Um, no. The, uh, I'm very well. Yeah, I'm, I had a lovely time over at um, uh, Warminster on, uh, uh, on Saturday, which is not something, as a devises fan, I can say that's p- probably not been the case for years, let alone <laughs> this season. But um, no, it was it was fascinating, fascinating occasion, uh, lovely, you know, beautiful day. Um, great to see so many fantastic people there. Your brethren that were there from um, from Sherborne, they were out in in force. Um, so um, yeah, now it was really good, really good uh, day. And of course, we were, we will be talking about that on uh, on this week's podcast. Um, we'll also be talking about our Les Phillips Cup final that we've got coming up this um, this Saturday. We've got a preview uh, on that uh, for you as well have a few other bits and pieces for the listeners as well but just before we kick off this week's um, episode of the podcast James, um, it's Mental Health Awareness Week isn't it and that is a subject that's very close to our hearts.
2: It is yeah so um, I'm sure many listeners are aware of the the graft and the hard work that yourself put in um, setting up with uh, Wiltshire Mind and Bath Mind and Somerset Mind and all the minds basically, um, all the great work that you put in putting up the posters for players around the grounds and and the collections. I forget how much was actually raised, but um, over twelve
1: hundred pounds we raised. There we
2: go. Over twelve hundred pounds raised, which is a phenomenal amount. So it's um yeah, it's it's really good like the collections. Obviously I saw what went into the one at Odd Down when we met up down there when we did the match day live.
1: Yeah, they did um, a fantastic job.
2: Yeah, they did. They were they were brilliant and and also at Caintram as well when we were there, when they come across and handed over extra money from the players and yeah. all done with the sponsors. And, yeah, I think all the clubs that, that you went to were really receptive of um, of everything and appreciated it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, next season we'll see a bit more of that as well around other clubs. Because I know, uh, obviously being associated with Sherbourne they were keen to get involved. But obviously it wasn't actually in the area at the time, so not part of the, the pilot so it'll be good to to roll it out, hopefully, to, to many more of the clubs in in our league.
1: And we will be marking the occasion of Mental Health Awareness Week, won't we, Jim, this week? We've got some posts lined up to uh, to celebrate what we've done and to help raise awareness amongst our fans.
2: Yeah, we have, yeah. So we're going to do, like, a little round-up of um, what happened. Uh, as you put in the email, the big one. So we'll have a load of images of you presenting the posters and uh, the people at the club's with the posters as well. There's a nice one of the chaps at Hengrove up there. Um, so yeah, I'll create a little graphic and we'll put that up with a little little article, a little graphic of some info of, of what went into it and, and everything all about it. And then obviously we've got the Les Phillips Cup. Um, there's an advert going in the programme there. So we'll be putting that up over Friday and Saturday as well, pushing the mental health week stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a big thank you, of course, to Warminster Town as well. Who um, um, put the uh, Wiltshire Mind advertisement in their program um, for us, and that got um, that was used at both the semi-final against Radstock and the final against um, Welton Rovers. So uh, that's got some really good coverage, and. Um, As you say, James, we've got another programme that's been specially devised for us by Somerset Mind. That's going to be in the Les Phillips Cup final programme on on Saturday. But we're also going to be doing another bucket collection, which um, Somerset Mind are coming along um, to to help us with as well. So that, that campaign very much continues and really pleasing that this is Mental Health Awareness Week. And it all culminates at our Les Phillips Cup final uh, on Saturday, um, but before we talk about the Les Phillips Cup final, we are going to talk about the First Division playoff final. The game that I was out on Saturday, Warminster Town were at home. Uh, the Green Army marched to Warminster. Well, Jim, it was uh, it was Welton who who obviously took home the spoils.
2: Yeah, they did. A, um, a Joe Garland goal in the second half uh, sealed the win for for Welton in front of nearly seven hundred spectators um, at Warminster, which is a fantastic. Um, attendance there it shows how keen people are to see like a final aren't they for uh, a playoff so it seems to have gone down really well this year so yeah um, little round up of the match warm as the thought they had taken the lead just before the half time break uh, when Martin Johnson's uh, stunning strike uh, had goal written all over it we all thought but uh, Welton's Archie Morris had other ideas he produced a brilliant diving header to uh, keep the score at 0-0 in Prevent a certain goal for for Warminster. Um, At the start of the second half, it was uh, quite a tight affair um, with both sides not wanting to make a mistake that could prove prove really costly. Um, and then just after the hour mark, Warminster thought they had taken the lead, uh, but the referee spotted a foul on the young Welton shot stopper, Alfred Kelsey. Uh, He's only 16, by the way, so good uh, future ahead of him, no doubt. Um, but the only goal of the game came uh, after 65 minutes when the ball fell to. Uh, to Welton Stalwart Garland and the East Slotted Home to send uh, send the Green Army home happy. And I'm sure there were a few sore heads I saw on uh, Welton's Twitter a quote from uh, from their manager, but the bit was saying he's sobered up now. So which I <laughs> quite funny. it came out about two or three days later, which I thought was quite funny. So I tried to think how much beer uh, had been sunk in Welton over the weekend.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I can tell you, actually, because... Um, we, uh, we asked that very question of Gareth Paisley, uh, the Welton Rovers secretary, of course. Uh, I started my conversation with Gareth by congratulating him, not just on the win on Saturday, but, of course, that historic promotion, and um, I started by asking him whether he'd recovered from Saturday's excesses.
0: I have recovered. Thank you, Ian. I, I took it all very calmly and in my stride. Um, I was trying to be one of the more mature heads, but, uh, yeah, certainly there was, it was a very, very fun evening, uh, Saturday back at Whelton Rovers and, and into the night for, for some of the, some of the younger members of the club.
1: But they earned the right. They earned the right. We can't hold that against them. I mean, let's start by talking about the game. I thought the whole occasion on Saturday was a fantastic occasion, given it's the first time, obviously, that we've had a playoff final in the first division. And there was a huge crowd there as well. Um, But in terms of the performance for Welton Rovers, do you think you deserved it on the day?
0: Um, I I think we did, yes. I think it was a very evenly matched game, um, as it has been when we played Warminster previously this season. We won 2-1 at Weymouth street early in the season uh, a midweek fixture and Warminster beat us at West Clues 1-0 um a lot more recently so 2-2 on aggregate in the league games it was always going to be going to be a tight affair and that it proved to be it was quite quite cagey perhaps um not, I think the well on rovers goal was was the first time either keeper was particularly tested And there wasn't a lot of action on goal throughout the whole game. Well, Rovers, Alfie Kelsey in goal, 16 years old, was absolutely outstanding in terms of claiming crosses and and commanding his area. I think he only had one shot on target to save though. And I think Sam Thompson for Warminster, other than the goal, two or three shots on target. So, um, there wasn't a lot of goal-mouth action, but I think once Welton sees the initiative, uh, they look quite comfortable. To, in seeing out the game. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we could have predicted it was going to be a, a one-goal affair from, from what we'd seen previously in the season.
1: Now, what a season you've had because you had the league won by Christmas, didn't you? Absolutely. And and then you left the door open and Sherbourne shut that door. Uh, so, I mean, going into the playoffs, did you think you'd blown it?
0: Not going into the playoffs, I think we... I was quite... Um, Quite Zen going into the playoffs, I suppose, because I personally experienced the disappointment of of not of not winning the league. That was when I um, that was when I was upset and angry or, or what have you, and that was several months ago now. Because, like you say, once uh, once Sherborne got ahead, that they they've really not not looked back, and all credit to them for deservedly romping away with with the league in the end. So going into the matches, I think the the perspective was that. Yeah, maybe maybe we had blown it um and this was our this was our second chance but the performances that that we that we put in in that semi-final and in the final to keep clean sheets against two exceptional clubs you look at um certainly post-Christmas I would say the up until the playoffs the, the three best teams in the league had been Sherbourne Wincanton and Warminster and Wincanton or Warminster would both have been more than worthy winners um nobody could could feel disappointed if if either of those won the league ahead of Sherborne because they've been exceptional. But I think when it became essentially knockout football, I think the players, um, our manager Tom Smith and his assistant Will Justin felt that they that they had a point to prove and 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 they did so with two two exceptional exceptional performances and and in putting their teams out for that semi and the final in a way that they knew could win the game.
1: I mean, when I spoke to Tom last week on the podcast, he felt that the Derby win over Radstock was really important because it created a momentum that you carried on into the playoffs and obviously ultimately through to to Saturday. I mean, you obviously watch the team every week. Is, is, Is that a fair assessment? Did you notice that Welton sort of picked up a bit after that big win against Radstock?
0: It is true, but with one disclaimer, that being that two days after beating Radstock, we lost to Sherborne. So I think that um, that that's a, a a slight blip in that that the Sherborne defeat was was a funny one, with the game hampered by two serious injuries early on, where neither team really got into the game after. But um, yeah, certainly it was that victory um, in the derby on on Good Friday that was was emphatic and was was it was a fantastic performance in front of another um, another bumper derby crowd and that i think did give give players the belief we then finished the league season with not flashy but very effective wins against lebec united and almondsbury um but i think it was it was very important to go into the playoffs on a high as you know as warminster and Wincanton canton did as well and even at radstock town as well The last day of the season needing a win to ensure that they um that they qualified for the playoffs after a couple of couple of more disappointing results for them, all four teams went in off the back of wins. And, um, and I'm sure that that momentum was, was seen as vital for, for all
1: of us. Cause um, you could have faced Radstock in the playoffs, couldn't you? I mean, I know obviously it didn't pan out like that, but had, had they beaten Warminster, of course, the game would have been at West Clues and you would have been playing um, Radstock. I mean, we had 652 there on, uh, on Saturday I've been banging on on the podcast about how big your games are against Radstock. How many do you think you'd have got a West Clues for that one?
0: Well, I think it would have been one less because I wouldn't have gone. I couldn't. My <laughs>
1: <heart>. <laughs> I uh,
0: as as entertaining a spectacle as that would have been, it's the it's my worst nightmare. So I, I'm I'm very relieved it didn't pan out like that. Um, this perhaps this is a, a opportune moment to say how well Warminster um handled the occasion in terms of putting on the event on Saturday you you know yourself you were there and they Mm. did a a remarkable job with you know 650 odd people there I think it's as a as a volunteer at at a Western League club it's the home games that you don't really get to enjoy because you're busy you're doing so many different Mm. jobs It's, it's when you're away that in my case once I've exchanged the team sheet that's it i can i can enjoy a beer i can enjoy watching the match whereas at home once i've exchanged the team sheet i've got to do the tannoy i've got to do hospitality you know you're sorting out um corner flags balls etc etc so um yeah hats off to warminster who did such a fantastic job of running that and and probably as a result didn't get to enjoy the occasion as much because they were they were running around performing all these tasks
1: Well, that was an incredibly diplomatic answer. And I'm actually incredibly pleased that you did um, praise Warminster because I think praise is definitely due there. But one of the reasons I asked you about the sort of the size of the crowd at Welton is because I know you're a a real historian of of the club. And we've spoken about that previously on the podcast. And I just wondered, really, when you when you've looked over the history of, of Welton Rovers, what sort of crowds you know what sort of big games what sort of crowds have the club been able to command because i think a lot of people in the western league do regard well and something of a sleeping giant
0: i i think historically um speaking we are we're we're the longest serving uh team in the western league we we've won it several times in the past but that hasn't been reflected in in recent decades you know we we um our peak was very much in in the 60s in the 70s and since then other than a couple of um good teams the bob williams side of the early 2000s fantastic the mark harrington team um which i know you're a big fan of Mm. from the uh from around 2010 fantastic but other than those we've not really had a prolonged period in the premier division so um that's something that 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 we as a club need to need to work hard to rectify but you talk about um big attendances at west clues and i think a lot of the the stories about about huge attendances are, are slightly apocryphal <laughs> um but uh looking at my one of my many spreadsheets right now we're we're looking at um 1966 a, a huge a huge turnout in the uh, somerset professional cup against against bath city a one all draw which which led to a led to a second match having to be played in front of 3000 people and even in recent years it's um I'm surprised seeing this now that we um in 2004 in a in a, in a an easter derby against Portland rovers obviously who have had fantastic time in the last couple of decades and a southern league team now but a um, thousand people at a Western League game in in, in two thousand and four. That's that's pretty pretty special as well. But the the attendances that we've been seeing in 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 the playoff final on the weekend six hundred and fifty fifty people is is fantastic. And I think that in these last two or three seasons, largely impacted by um, by COVID, although it's been very difficult for clubs it's also been a really great opportunity for those clubs to connect with with their local communities with their local sports fans initially because in our case we benefited a little bit from Bath City not having football perhaps less so with um Bristol Rovers and Bristol City because obviously there are a lot more teams close by to uh uh, Bristol teams in the Western League but um I'm sure other Western League teams have benefited from Yeovil or swindon town not being able to have uh have spectators in attendance and that's something that although it initially happened uh because football fans didn't have any other options of football to watch you can see the efforts that that clubs like like warminster like sherborne like you look at the gates that bocco get fantastic longwell green as well since their new uh Mm. um, their new facilities this is uh this is as a result of a continued effort by by club volunteers to to continue to promote their teams and to continue to sort of remind people that Western League football is real football and it is uh, supporting a Western League club is is not really any different to supporting Liverpool or Manchester City or anyone else when when you support a club you you love that club and you, and you want to watch them play and I think more and more people are realizing that it's a good standard of football that there are there are great players there are mm. great narratives there are great rivalries and and um, and we're seeing that more and more and, and i think that's that's going to continue um as long as as long as these clubs keep keep working hard to keep this connection with their communities which which i don't see letting up at all
1: i mean do you think we talked about covid there do you think that the cost of living crisis um that we're all experiencing at the moment um is actually going to also be a benefit to Clubs like Welton, because actually, people who would have had a day out, perhaps even going, not even go further than Bristol, say, going to watch one of the Bristol sides, that once you've taken into account the cost of the petrol to get there, the parking, the cost of the ticket, the cost of you know, having a drink and a burger at the ground, actually going to watch a local club like Welton Rovers, if you live in and around Midsummer Norton, you're going to save a shed load of money. You can have a, yeah, and, and, but you can have equally a, a, a nice day out um, watching Western League football.
0: I, I think that that's, that's a possibility. I think, um, and I think you probably just misspoke, uh, Ian, but wouldn't call it a, a benefit because it's, um, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that, that anybody's benefiting from, from the cost of living crisis because, um, because of how people are, are mm. suffering as, 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 a result of it. But, um, I think it's, a, it's certainly an opportunity for clubs to realize the difference that they can make in their communities you, you've seen examples um in the western league this season um i can recall i think sherborne town collecting to help their communities with food banks um portis town we at welton rovers uh, facilitate a weekly uh food bank um uh, with um community food project uh, community food network sorry and we work with bath rugby foundation on providing summer activities at west clues for for low-income families and free meals for them Um, so it would be fantastic if that wasn't necessary of course that would be the best thing but it's good that we as sporting institutions within our communities can can help and can can participate in making things a bit better and if that means that um that people can come and enjoy an affordable afternoon out at the football as well watching their local team spending an afternoon with 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 mates or watching local players play then that can only be that can only be a positive
1: um, just taking you back to the research then, the last time we spoke, um, I know you've done an awful lot of work. You're identifying goal scorers. You're identifying yeah. a lot of information about um, um, about the games that Welton have played over the years. How is that work going, and are there still any gaps we need to fill?
0: There absolutely are, and um, it sadly, the any... Uh, football fans wanting to research their their local non-league team in certainly in the in the northeast somerset area then we've got a couple of of brilliant outlets in um it, the Guildhall in bath has has a great archive of old copies of the bath chronicle that you can access digitally uh, Froom library has the microfilm of every I say every every bar one and that bar one is a crucial one that's missing copy of the Somerset Guardian going back 100 plus years unfortunately when we were locked down it meant that these these outlets were closed so a, uh, a subscription to the British newspaper archive online was helpful it's it's absolutely uh relentless information which I um, as you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of of compiling and and, and keeping best I can. Um, but yes, there are some gaps. Um, so if there are any supporters of the likes of Kentish uh, Town, Devizes Town, Ilford Town, Saltash United, Bridgewater, plus a few of our former Western League friends, Corsham, uh, Tiverton, that have uh, extensive archives i'll be very glad to hear from you there are a couple of particularly frustrating areas There's a if we go back to 1956 i'm only missing 28 the scores of 28 well rovers goals which i'm which i'm very pleased uh, on the one hand very pleased but on the other hand have sleepless nights about <laughs> um the two uh most frustrating areas are a print strike that happened in april and may 1980. So I've got the last eight games of that season with with no goal scorers uh, attributed to about 15 goals that we scored. That was a time when our star striker was uh, Graham Withy, who went on Ooh, to yeah. play for Bath City, Coventry City in the top division. I, I even went so far as to contact Graham himself to ask if he had any scrapbooks that I might be able to get the information from. Um, he was... Uh, he. He was pleased to be reminded of his goal scoring exploits but sadly couldn't help the other very frustrating area is is a few goals missing from the 2003 2004 season this is a time when the it was the early days of the internet so i think people's record keeping was was flitting between paper and digital if you go on the Wayback machine a uh, a tool for finding archived internet pages you can find the the western league website from from the time which is uh which is quite a good quite a good thing to check out um but as a result well rovers um I'm pleased to say it wasn't myself that was secretary at the time but who, whoever whoever was 20 years ago doesn't have any record of uh of three four five goals that we scored in the 2003-2004 season three against Devizes Town, sorry ian um one against kingsham town and one against Corsham town in the in the les phillips cup um yeah they they do keep me awake at night the absence of those goals and i haven't given up hope of uh of there was another one from that season that was um i was missing and when my uh uh, I couldn't find it in any archives, but then when my my grandfather passed away and I was going through his Welton programs, I found the program from the game after which mentioned the name of of somebody who only scored one goal for Welton Rovers. And, and that was the goal. Uh, so that was a nice bit of serendipity. And I'm, I'm hoping for a, a bit more of that to to attribute the the remaining goals. Well, that's the past.
1: Uh, next mm. season, you've got um, the future to look forward to and uh, you'll be in the, and, and unless the FA pull a, a particularly odd shaped rabbit out of the hat, you'll be in the Western League Premier Division. Um, how are you feeling about that?
0: I, I'm excited and don't get me wrong, if, if we had not won the playoffs, I would be uh, consoling myself with the fact that we don't have the extensive travelling that we'll have next season. But I think that the the promise of the um, the restructuring of 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 the Western League and Project Southwest that we're that we're hoping to see come to fruition in 23-24 is very exciting and means that this next season is an opportunity that we and, and the players wouldn't have had otherwise. With um, dare I say it twenty two twenty three being the last season potentially of the western league as we know it there's something particularly nice for for our club being the western league's longest serving club to be playing in its premier division um i i think that that's a that's a really nice end to our story with with the western league and i think also now we're in a situation where obviously there's been a lot of um lot of discussion about the merits of of teams having to travel to 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 our friends in the far reaches of, of, of cornwall and what have you but now this is this is our last opportunity to do it um there when i first started being involved with Whelan rovers from the from the committee side of things you know the the furthest travels we'd have would be would be Barnstable, for example and those would be fantastic coach trips um if this, this North-South Step 5 does come to be, then we're not going to have those long trips. Um, and I think now we can look ahead to next season thinking, right, this is probably, FA Cup and FA Vasa side, our last opportunity to play at Mousel, to play at Helston, to play at Falmouth, Torpoint, wherever else. And that has to be something that, knowing that it's a short-term thing, we can enjoy. And we as a club know that we... We can make work in a way that is is sustainable for the club, but also is enjoyable for the players. Um, and and I'm certain that that, that, we'll, that we'll be able to do that at Wolverhampton Rovers.
1: Now, one final um, question. It's not really a question, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Normally, of course, on the podcast, we speak to the managers and last week we had Tom Smith on. Um, we had Andy Crabtree as well previewing the uh, the, the final. And one of the themes I've noticed from my conversations with Tom throughout the season is he, he's very keen to praise um, the volunteers at, uh, at Welton Rovers in particular yourself for all of the all of the work that you do so i thought we'd have a, a chance to turn the tables now gareth mm-hmm. um given what tom has achieved this this season and of course with his assistant um will justin what do those two mean to you and the football club
0: they're fantastic i mean when you look at, at will justin he's somebody who um came to us as a player late in the 2018-19 season i think uh before that was curtailed um sorry, no, the 2019-20 season, it would be, as a goalkeeper, a great Western League goalkeeper, play, played for a ton of clubs, um, helped us improve in a position where we needed to improve and very quickly fell for the club, I think, felt welcome and enjoyed his time there. When he became assistant to, to Tom Smith, it was the it was the perfect combination. And Will's um, knowledge of the Western League, his organisation, um, his ability to, to communicate and get messages across to players is is fantastic and and he's an absolute uh, joy to have around he's he's somebody i know if i need something doing or i need some information two rings he'll have answered his phone max (laughs) uh tom is uh is somebody who has been with welton rovers since the age of 16. myself and tom played in the same b team nearly 15 years ago um and that was when he was a 16 year old he, obviously he was a better footballer than i was then uh but so i've known tom all, all that time to see him come through um play at welton rovers under the likes of malcolm beck for example nick beaverstock clive scott several re- really decent managers um he's a welton rovers supporter he's a midsummer norton boy and it means that he he knows our supporters he knows our players he knows how the club works and and i couldn't be happier for him to achieve this with us at such a young age as well he's not even not even 30 yet and for him to sort of give up his playing career to help out the club that that he loves at a time when the club club needed it is i can't uh i can't say enough positive things about him for that and he's somebody that i i hope to be at the helm for welton rovers for as, as long as Basically, until he he becomes too good and, and has no choice but to go elsewhere. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm hopeful of. And um, I my experience of um, of helping run a football club is that very seldom do you get things right on and off the pitch at the same time. If things are going well on the pitch, then you're struggling with with things off the pitch, and, and vice versa. And, and thanks to the hard work of our of our volunteers off the pitch, and to a, an absolutely fantastic group of players with unquestionable character the way that they you know recovered from the disappointing of uh, well throwing away the league essentially and 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 tom smith being the same that um yeah it's felt like it feels like the club is in is in great hands and uh and that certainly makes my life and, and the life of the likes of malcolm price bottom well, river's chairperson and all our committee and, and volunteers it makes makes our existence a lot more fun and, and a lot easier
1: Excellent stuff. Congratulations again, Gareth. Um, probably best you don't party too hard because there's going to be some serious work doing for next season, but for as long as you can, enjoy it. And I look forward to catching up with you next season on the Western League podcast.
0: Thanks ever so much, Ian. And thank you for your work with the podcast. What we're saying about how supporting a Western League club is a is a legitimate thing to do. And it's things like your podcast that, that prove that. And, and I know that supporters players and and clubs all across the Western League are, are really grateful for this outlet. So thanks for your hard work throughout the season.
1: And my thanks to Gareth for his time. Now we've often on the podcast, Jim talked about your previous existence, your previous car- incarnation as a, <laughs> as a, as the press officer of a professional football club. Uh, I just wondered whilst you were at um at uh, Yeovil Town. They were a very successful club. Um, I'm sure they'd very much like to get that um, that success back now. But um, you must have had a few promotions with Yeovil over the years.
2: Yeah, so I was lucky enough to join Yeovil their first year in the Football League. So when they won the conference, I wasn't working there, but joined when it was called Nationwide League, then Division 3. Uh, joined there and then had a promotion from there to Division 2. And then I went to Bristol City and was lucky enough I joined them their first season in the Championship, so I missed their promotion. But we got to Wembley for the playoff final, where City lost to Hull. It was one of the worst experiences ever, that was, um, working and seeing everyone all down and losing at Wembley. Uh, But then rejoined Oval when they were on the crest of a wave and worked there during their biggest promotion from League One to the championship, so the playoff final at Wembley and winning at Wembley it was something I'd never forget Like being a Yeovil Town fan and lucky enough to be pitch side in the dressing room on the team bus going home not like I could remember much of it because I was a little bit worse aware but yeah, <laughs> the promotions were, were very good um, and then obviously the downward spiral started and experienced a couple of relegations which wouldn't really wish on anybody, they were the staff, it was bad. So, yeah, it was um, not the greatest, but you've got to take the rough with the smooth, I guess.
1: That's right. That's what football's all about, isn't it? It um, is not it Um And uh, I suppose, you know, with that in uh, with that in mind, we, sh- we should also remember um, the contribution made this season by the likes of Warminster Town, Radstock Town and, of course, Wincanton Town, who for many weeks, as you will know, James, were very much at the races. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the going proved a little bit too soft in the end for them and they fell at the final hurdle. Um, okay. Actually, it was the semi-final hurdle, wasn't it, really? I'm going to put these... But on a, look, on a, you bring out the worst in me, you do, because I know you like this sort of stuff. Very few other people who listen to this do, but I'm going to... Bear with me, listeners. Anyway, the point I'm making is playoffs were fantastic, the interest in the players were fantastic, not just those clubs, of course, because we know that the likes of Odddown and Bocco uh, and Cheddar, of course, and Wells were, you know, there was there, there, a lot of other stories involved in all of that. There could only be one winner. It was Welton Rovers at the end of the day, but so many people had put in um, so much effort, um, um, you know, to get that competition really alive. And I think we have to have a special reference to Warminster Town and, and, and David Perry, their chairman, who I know, um you know put a huge amount of work those volunteers not just in putting on the the semi final but also putting on the final you know i mean and 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 then to have the sort of the 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 double whammy of having to do all of that work and not having the benefit of celebrating you know it's heartbreaking and i you know i think a special mention to those guys because i know you know they did um you know they did an awful lot. but I mean, fortunately for them, they had the success of their women's team to celebrate the next day. So I think that probably helped deal with 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 the disappointment. But anyway, a, a lot of love going out to Warminster town.
0: If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah. They do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat.
1: If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. We will be moving on now to our Les Phillips Cup final. That's coming up um, this Saturday. It's at Wells City, three o'clock kickoff. I'll be there with Mr. Ray Johnson um, we'll be doing a, a commentary but well I mean I suppose if you were feeling particularly sadistic you could probably go to the game and listen to me and Ray I mean I certainly wouldn't do that because I mean I'm I, you know I'm about two minutes behind play at the best of times but um uh, if you're not there then um, we will be using the match day live platform to broadcast the Les Phillips Cup final but actually we had a lovely weekend last week um, so if you can get down to Wales City for 3pm, it'd be lovely to see another bumper crowd. And actually, you can do your bit to help us in Mental Health Awareness Week. As I said at the top of the podcast, um, we've got um, some um, um, excellent people coming along to that game from Somerset Mind. I'm, I'm really pleased um, that, that they're going to be joining us at that game. And, and they will be doing a bit of bucket shaking as well, because Every Penny helps um, provide the support services that they put in place. And uh, Not just for the players, which of course has been the the area that we've focused on with our changing room posters, but for everybody as well. There'll be an advert in that programme that helps everybody see where they can get some um, support services if they're struggling with their mental health at this difficult time. We can't forget the impact that the pandemic has had, and of course with the cost of living crisis that you know is affecting all of us. Um, people you know are are struggling with you know day to day existence. We shouldn't belittle it. And, um, and and hopefully we can do our little bit to, to try and um, help, you know, turn the tide and, and and help people get the help that they that they need. So, um, you know, I hope to see you on on Saturday at the Les Phillips Cup final, three o'clock, Wales City. And uh, we've heard quite a lot from Bridgewater United, uh, who, of course, one of our finalists over the course of this season on the podcast. So I thought it was a good opportunity to get back in touch with the Cadbury Heath manager, George Boone. Now, I started off by asking George whether it would be fair to call Cadbury Heath against Bridgewater United David versus Goliath.
3: Probably fair a little bit maybe. I, I, I think most people will have us down as the underdogs, which is which is fair. We've played Bridgewater twice this season and both games have been quite close. They beat us 3-2 at our place. And we had 10 men for the whole of the second half and we actually played really, really well. It was a close game and then we, it was nil-nil at their place. So two really close games but um, yeah I think they're going to be the they'll be the favourites obviously they've got an incredibly strong squad and, and they've been at the top most of the season and we've been towards the bottom most of the season do
1: you, do you think the weight of expectation might weigh heavy or weigh heavier on them than it does on you?
3: Uh, possibly possibly I think we just will have no fear we've got nothing to lose um, we've we've just gone out and really enjoyed this cup in the second half of the season it's been a real blessing in the skies for us because I think um, our form has really picked up since the New Year, and hmm. the cups has really helped us as well, and the confidence of the team in, 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 with our league form as well. So maybe, maybe we'll just go out there, we'll, we'll, we'll play our game, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Well, you talk about your league form there. I mean, how do you reflect on this season? I mean, you finished 15th. Um, do you think that's a fair reflection on sort of you know where you were in the final table?
3: Yeah, I think, I think I think table normally doesn't lie. Does it? at the end of the season it doesn't lie. Um, we 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 were in a r- really awkward situation at the start of the season where we didn't have really many players, um, and then to start the season with ten games in the first month was 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 really tricky. If we'd have had those ten games at the end of the season, it might have been a little bit of a different story where we'd already then built a squad and we were improving and picking up more results. So possibly, but I think yeah, all in all probably it's probably a fair reflection we dropped dropped points during the season where we should have dropped points and so maybe we should have had a few extra points on the board but all in all yeah probably probably a fair reflection on where we were yeah
1: well let's focus on the Les Phillips Cup um, you've played Longwell Green Odd Down Brislington and Ashton and Backwell on your way to the semi-final I mean do you feel that you know I suppose on paper are those teams that you should be beating
3: not necessarily I think just, all, the, the first round we had um, while Green, and we we only won two one injury time winner, and like that was a that was a really really tough game, and they've all been really tough games. We beat we beat Briz on on penalties as well, so um, I think they, we've had all, we've been really lucky that all our, all the rounds we've had at home, and our home form has been outstanding. So we were lucky that all the rounds that we've played, we've actually been at home, so um, that's helped us massively. But um, I don't think no no I don't think just we should be beating these teams at all now. I think every game has been a good game. Um, Ashton was Ashton was a, another good game, t- tight game as well. A few times you played them this season, it's been really close games. So, um...
1: and then in that semi-final, you came up against Canesham Town. Now, I know they've been really fired up for this competition. I mean, what were your thoughts going into you know into get into that game because they were the hardest, you know, they were the toughest test you'd faced so far.
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think. I think probably most people would have thought Kintyre would, would mm. probably have got through that semi-final. If I'm totally honest, I mean they've got a really, really, really good team, and their front line is very exciting, and obviously they've got a lot of goals in them. So I knew it was going to be a tough task. And I think obviously again us being at home was was a, was a real massive bonus for us. I think at their place it would have been a different story maybe, but um, at our place, yeah, I just I, I backed us at home. I to home, but we knew we knew the qualities that Kintyre had. Yeah.
1: And then, of course, it's going to be Bridgewater in the final. Now, I mean, obviously we've talked about, you know, about what it's going to be like for you facing them, but what's the buzz around the club like? You know, how are the players feeling? What about the people, you know, behind the scenes, the volunteers, the club officials? I mean, it's, you know, to play in any final is a fantastic occasion, but I guess, does that make this even more special for Cadbury Heath?
3: I think so, yeah. I think at the start of the season, the committee, everybody knew this was going to be a really, really difficult season for us. So, obviously, um, the main objective was to avoid relegation, which is <laughs> what we've achieved. And on the bonus of that is getting to the cup final. And the cup run has brought, like I said, a little buzz around the club as well. Um, and it's great. Just to get to a cup final is great for everyone involved. Um, we got a, a nice big coach going on Saturday with um, all the supporters and all the committee and stuff, which will be, it's just it, It'll be a great day out. It really will. And, um, uh, yeah, winning that semi-final was, was, was great. And a few days after, we... Uh, all the team we went on tour and out together as well, and there was just a real, there was a real buzz amongst the team. And I think the second half of the season, I, the lads really, really deserve to be in, uh, to be in the cup final.
1: Excellent stuff. Now, just one last question before um, I, I let you, I let you go. And and you know, all of your focus is going to be on Saturday. Obviously, it is. But I mean, how do you feel about next season? Would a win in the Les Phillips Cup on Saturday? enable you to push on you know will will Cadbury Heath be looking up the table rather than down
3: yes definitely definitely I mean our full focus is on uh on Saturday we we've been in training on the weekend we'll we'll train again this week and our full focus is on Saturday but in the background lots of work is already going into uh into next season um we hope that you keep 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 the squad together and hopefully add add a few to go with it to make it a little bit stronger again but we, we, yeah, we need to start looking up. I think the way that we finish the season, the second half of the season, if we start the season anywhere like we have the second half, then I think we can really kick on for next season. I know the club want to um, do some work on the ground with the change rooms, and we want to try and do the club out stuff and stuff as well. So, yeah, there's lots of work going on at the club, and this final's really exciting. But yeah, looking looking long term, I really hope that we can uh, we can kick on for next season as well. Yeah.
1: And my thanks to George uh, for his time. One final piece of housekeeping for us uh, now, Jim, and that is to announce the winner of our photo competition, um, which um, you and I had the privilege of judging. Um, uh, so, can you uh, can you tell the listeners who got our photograph of the season?
2: Yes, obviously, it wasn't just us to judge it as well. We did invite another. Panelist on to help us because we struggled a little bit because there were so many good entries so we sat there and debated for a while and then as we were sat there we thought actually we'll we're, we're speak to someone else who's out with the camera a lot so we invited Debbie Gould who a lot of people know to join us to help us make a decision um which she greatly helped because we were quite indecisive weren't we with our decisions well I um, I,
1: I used to be indecisive but now I'm not so sure
2: Oh brilliant. Oh, I'll cross them in you head them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we whipped it down to, to three and um the the winner was um Hayden Jones from Shepton Mallet. Um everyone knows Hayden mm. um and the picture I mean we will we will put it online but it's a cracking one of two players jumping for the ball in the ball smacking the chap in the the face, basically, or just under his chin with his eyes closed. So, um, yeah, we unanimously looked at it and thought, yeah, that is a a cracking picture, um, well composed. And yeah, so that's the winner, Hayden Jones from Shepton Mallet. Obviously, it's a bit difficult to show the picture on an audio platform, but uh, we will be uploading it to socials and to the website soon.
1: Excellent, excellent stuff there. Yes, Hayden proving there that like good comedy, the art of good photography is the timing. And uh, anybody who listens to this podcast every week will know that I'm a master of neither of those things. So I was particularly... Um, i was particularly pleased that we got debbie in because um you you were you were doing a grand job jim but i mean i quite why the league wanted me to have anything to do with this i don't know because i wouldn't know one end of a camera from another but but I, I i think it's an exceptional pitch and i'm incredibly grateful to yourself and debbie um for helping us out with that um we do we will still have another podcast episode for you listeners next week and it will be the return of tom hiscott um which sounds like some sort of Art Nouveau film, doesn't it? But um, anyway, it won't be. It's just going to be episode 42 of the Tool Station Western League podcast where we will be celebrating uh, with the winning manager from the Les Phillips Cup final. Will um, Tom will also have his own take looking back, I'm sure, on some of the highlights um, of this season on the pitch. And there will also be an interview with John Paul, the chairman of the Tool Station Western League, and Phil Hiscock, the secretary of the Southwest Peninsula League, talking about Project Southwest and what that means for the future of football in the Southwest of England, in particular the future of our clubs and clubs in the Southwest Peninsula League. Um, so, another episode not to be missed. It might be the closed season, but we're not on the beach. You've been listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>